0: Hi, my name is Colette, and I am a compulsive overeater, and typically I'm more likely to call myself a food addict, um, only and that just helps me to identify myself um, differently um, because my behavior is very, very addictive. So anyways, um, I would like to start the evening by wishing everyone a beautiful Mother's Day, um, and I've been thinking a lot about everyone out there in this fellowship and and I've been in this fellowship since I was 19 years old on and off you know pushing back maybe I don't want to be here maybe I could find an easier softer way maybe it took too much of a commitment maybe I didn't want to do what I needed to do for recovery at that time so um, although I, I'm, I'm going to turn 70 this year, so that means I've been in these rooms um, over 50 years. And I'm very, very grateful that I got to find this kind of way of looking at life at the age of 18, 19, because it sort of gave me a way to navigate through life. Um, just for the record, um, I have maintained a 100-pound weight loss, Um my food plan is is that I don't eat any white flour or any sugar um or anything in between. I eat three meals a day um and it's good healthy food, good wholesome healthy food and one of the one of the many things that helped me to get abstinent was when I started thinking about I was going to only eat food that you know that came directly from God that didn't come out of a box with 79 different ingredients. But um, I'm going to circle back. So I have a 100-pound weight loss. Um, I've been in this program a very long time. Whatever you hear here, what you um, if, if you like it, take what you like and leave the rest. This is just one person's story. And I wanted to say um, this is one humble person story, but I'm not inherently humble. I was only ever truly humbled by this disease and my powerlessness over it. He had this very arrogant, um, sort of worldly son, and from the time he was little, people said I should, I should, um, you know, humble him because he just was so cocksure of himself. And um, and I said, well, I, I I don't think that's my job. I I think life will humble him. Well, ultimately, he also. Um, as an addict and he got plenty of humbling without me being that person. But I, I wanna talk a little bit, um, and it's in my head it's all mixed up together, um, but maybe it won't sound that way, but I'm thinking about mothering and thinking about the mother that I had and thinking about who I was and how I got here and, um, and um, how, in my opinion, how, in my opinion, my mother did a really bad job with me, okay? And um, and that's a past opinion, okay? That's the past talking here. So I was... But then we get to step four. Because step four told me I had to take an inventory, right? And so when I'm going to take an inventory... Um, The goal of the inventory, of course, is to take a a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves, right? Well, my many first inventories, the ones on paper, and the ones in my mind and heart, presented me as a victim in this very terrible household that treated me very badly. And there was some of that. There was a lot of that really, right? And things such as, um, you know, but, but now I understand a lot of what she was trying to do was to protect me from this disease and the way the world would see me in this disease or my only my own inability to, to live my best and higher self. So she was just a mother who had eight kids, who had her own health, mental health problems, who married an addict, And I'm her fourth kid, and I come out and I have colic. I have really bad colic, and it's the only story I've ever heard of my baby. dumb was, well, you had colic. I didn't know what to do with you, and so I put you in the chair, and you cried, and I would bake. So there's that first part of my little life is my mother is baking, and I'm screaming right? So it's like a movie scene there, you know, poor neglected baby. And life, moving forward in life, it was a household of of scarcity. Um, And being a household of scarcity, my response to the scarcity was to go and get what I wanted. Um, And if I had stuff, you know, if you didn't get there first, you didn't get it. You know, so if you didn't get first to the party, you didn't get the food. So I'm, I'm just a, I've always been that type and I'm going to go get what I want because I'm an addict, right? So I want what I want when I want it. <clears throat> so I can tell you stories about my parents and my mother in particular and, you know, how um, I got the message from her. I'm not saying she gave me the message. I got the message from her that I wasn't going to be loved unless I conform to some standard of weight and food, et cetera. As a mother today, I understand that perhaps she saw things through the eyes of the kind of suffering that I would probably endure and did endure because of the morbid obesity. So there's that little part with my mother right here. So, you know, she did things, there's no money in the house, but she manages to find the money to send me to a diet doctor. And then I get speed, and then I get um, downers. And, you know, then she finds the money for me to go to Weight Watchers. And there's no money in the house, but, you know, you got to eat this certain food for Weight Watchers. And I, of course, found the money for whatever treat sweet um, uh, at some icy, creamy place that I would go to after the meeting. So but without any of the stuff that my mother did or didn't do, I I remember walking the neighborhood and um if people were out barbecuing I'd go up to their back fence and just try to look like a little orphan with my cute little brother and say, What are you cooking? What are you cooking? And I just feel like I I was in an eternal state of if I'm cute enough and I go trick-or-treating, people will, uh, I don't mean real trick-or-treating, I just go see the old ladies in the neighborhood. So they would give me money so I could buy food or I would take my brother's money. And this this is like a little movie scene, right? So I would take money off my brother's tables and go around the corner to the diner. Now, I'm no more than 10 years old, and I think I'm a fancy-smancy lady up at this little urban diner where they had pies that went around on this thing inside side windows, and it was just like so glorious to me. All these different flavors and sights, and I'd sit at the little counter with this stolen of money. So what I'm really trying to acknowledge here is that perhaps I was an addict, and all these things that I had to say about my parents, they may have been true, but I was only at the beginning of my step four looking at what they did wrong, what my mother did wrong, and not looking at what did I do. And so in the step four part of the inventory, first I started about the behaviors, right? And so when I'm thinking about step four, for, I'm thinking about, you know, the money I stole to get food, um, the things I did to my body to get food, the people that I babysit for that I would eat every I was a very bulimic eater. I was a, I was only a bulimic eater. I was a binger, not a purger, but a binger. Um, so um, just the things that I did because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted. And then there was a great deal of stuff and thievery for me to get the substance I wanted, which was generally food. Now, I've had enough therapy and maybe I wanted love, blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, somewhere deep out inside, I associated food with love, self-medicating with food with comfort, and that sort of defined my life, my whole life, and to some degree, it still does today. But as I moved forward in my step four, in my inventory, I had to look at, once I was abstinent, and I will make this very clear, once I put down the food, the reason it's so hard to put down the food is it meant that I had to look myself in the mirror. Um, It also meant I had to go through whoever I was as I went through withdrawal. You know, and I've been getting lots of pushback and noise from both of my children about how I failed them, how I failed them. So they they're, you know, they're taking mine in the turn now, right? So, but I have to say to you, and you guys will understand this, um, that I got sober. My, tr- I got sober one day at a time. Maybe I was, you know, in some sort of relapse merry-go-round, but I kept trying to get sober. And then when I got some long-term abstinence, all kinds of stuff came pouring out of me. And then moving forward, moving forward, getting abstinence, getting long-term abstinence, using other um, plans of action, other things in the program, I began to finally really truly look at myself and what my character defects are. And with or without the disease, I believe many of these would have been inherent in me. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a vain person. Um, I'm irrepressible. I don't like rules. I'm a rebel. Um, I'm really quick-witted. And, uh, you know, I'm a a very sensitive, hypersensitive, strong personality. And... Sometimes those are really good things. And sometimes um, in, in inventory, just like we would in the store somewhere, they're, they're, they can be heavy things to have. I can have too much of one thing. But the reason I wanted to think about inventory today and think about mothers and think about forgiveness, and, you know, I'm a mother now. My mother's deceased. Um, but this program, this program gave me the ability because. To because of using the tools um, and the steps to experience the love that my mother had for me. And more importantly, it gave me the opportunity to allow myself to love this other human who, just like me, wasn't perfect. And so that's what I particularly wanted to talk about tonight. But I want to back up a little bit. So... In this program, you know, I saw that Bill W. movie that's out on Amazon or Netflix or something, you know, and it's talking about the beginning of the program. And I think, excuse me, please, I have some sort of terrible seasonal tickle going on. Um, But anyways, in that movie, the thing that became really clear was what really made the recovery happen was being in the rooms in hearing everyone else's story. So in that thought of being in those rooms and the people that were there for me when I walked in the first door, the second door, the people that drove me to meetings, the people that when I had no money slipped me some money, The people when I became stuck and kept telling the same story over and over and over. The people who I tried on for a sponsor and then maybe just disappeared on them. The people that gave me some spiritual literature that was outside of the program but consistent with. All those people where I learned to self-mother, self-love, self-nurture, self-care, It's not in a miraculous bolt of lightning, but it's really each and every one of you who's sitting out in those rooms today saying, I want to say yes to life. I want to show you who I am at my core. I want to help you put down this self-destructive thing and and let you learn to love yourself. Am I getting my five-minute warning? I was just about to say that, yes. Oh, that's all great. And, and so I was surprised that on Mother's Day I kind of wanted to talk about step four, but I have to keep cleaning house, and I have to keep cleaning house, and I have to keep cleaning house. And um, I had a I'll just tell a, a pretty horrific aha this weekend. Um, decades ago I uh, called protective services on one of my sister's and she died this year. And it's all coming to light in family drama, trauma. And It was a righteous and good choice, ultimately. But had I not had the character defects that I was living in at that time of wanting so badly to belong somewhere, I wouldn't have made that choice that way. Um, And I was glad for that awareness Teddy. but it was hard. But I'm just gonna sort of slow down right now. And circle back, how do I do this thing? How do I live with my mother my children? I have a very big, big struggle going on with one of my children. One of them is an addict. And when I call my sponsor, she the same sponsor for over 20 years. Um, she gets me to Dr. Alcoholic Addict. And she said, you know, ultimately all this says is God bless them and change me. Bless them and change me. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. What needs to be changed to me and my attitudes. That's what needs to be changed. I had to change my attitudes about food. I had to change my attitude about the number on the scale. I had to change my attitude about everything else in my world, or I'm going to lose my mind, and I'll be sick with it. And I can be an addict about many other things besides food. It was just that was my first drug. So I'm just grateful to be here. I have a right to be here. You guys welcomed me here and made me feel welcome. And in this nourishing, accepting place, it that said all I had to do to belong was a desire to stop eating compulsively. And that's a message for some reason I didn't get from my mother. But because of you guys, I can hear it from her, and it is my high and holy prayer that someday my children will be able to hear the same thing—that they are loved and perfect—and that um, it's only by cleaning our own side of the street up that we can. Oh, that I found that place. So thank you very much, and I appreciate you having me.